0: Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brett and Escott with you. It's 1234 in Edmonton, and this is Oilers Now, Our guests received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring the night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Open Tuesday through Saturday from 5 until 10 p.m. You can tell Chef Eltoff and Chris that Oilers Now sent you. Bob Stauffer with you at Rogers Place. We got ourselves a game today against the Washington Capitals for the Edmonton Oilers, but at this time, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort and know, hotline for our friends at Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy Heating and Cooling. We welcome back to the show our NHL insider, John Shannon. Hi, John. How are you doing? Happy Monday, Bob. Yes, happy Monday. Uh, You know, sad news on the weekend. He had a good long life, but Barry Fraser passed away at the age of 82. Instrumental, as we all know. Uh, in helping build the Edmonton Oilers into a 1980s dynasty.
1: Well, when you look at the uh, draft picks, particularly early in the uh, NHL tenure of the of the Oilers, and Barry's fingerprints all over it. Guys like Grant Fuhr and Paul Coffey. Uh, he, he made a huge impact, and and in so many ways uh, was Glenn Sather's right hand guy. Uh, and would and Glenn would Glenn was not a. A guy that was going out to a lot of junior games or going to scout or going to prospects games. He was relying on his number one scout, Barry Fraser and Barry, you know, turned that into a pretty darn good career.
0: Well, it was a different world back then, right? You had one assistant coach, you didn't, I guess by the mid eighties, maybe you had two, but uh, you know, slats, obviously you nailed it. I mean, oh my, (laughs) I'm just watching Brazil light it up here. You know. Spoiler alert, it's now 4 nothing for Brazil over Korea here in the uh, first half. But he, he really was reliant upon him, And one of the things that the Oilers did at that time, I mean, they emphasized skill. You know that. Uh, they weren't hung up on size of players. Uh, but, you know, and they made it count. I mean, they took a goaltender to eighth overall and the one time Slats saw Grant fear in, in, in person. Pure gave up eight goals against, but he he trusted Barry Fraser that much to go with that pick. It tells you a lot, doesn't
1: it? It does. And, I mean, you saw that when you were around the club. You saw their friendship. You saw the trust that both of them had in each other. Uh, you know, one of my many memories of having Barry around uh was the 1985 stanley cup final oh yeah and and on the bench at the end and mike keenan comes over to shake everyone's hand and barry's so mad at him he waves at him and refuses to shake his hand uh that that i've never forgotten that in all the years i saw barry i was lucky enough to see barry at the uh the 85 team celebration the greatest team in the history of the national hockey league and uh, and B- Barry was, a, was truly a, a great man and a good person. And, you know, I know he and Tina were living life to the fullest in Cabo San Lucas. And it's a, it's a sad day, you're right. But at the same time, his contributions to the success of the Oilers in the 80s is immeasurable.
0: Well, we should preface just the, the, the Philly story. Uh, at the end of the game, Dave Brown was on the ice and, uh, and went after Donnie Jackson. And then subsequent to that, uh, Brad Marsh jumped Jackson after he'd already fought yeah. Dave Brown and worked him over some more, and the Oilers were livid. You know, the game was – that game, to me, uh, was a test. It, it, it was like the Flyers and the Oilers, the Oilers were a team of the 90s playing in the mid-80s with the talent and speed that they had. Not the style, because we went to a more defensive style in the back half of the 90s. People forget the early 90s. 92-93 was the highest scoring year in NHL history. Um But the Oilers were a team that could have competed in the the mid to late 90s with the talent that they had. And the Flyers literally were playing a style of the old Broad Street bullies in the late 70s, early 80s because they had to against Edmonton because the Oilers had such a skill advantage on them.
1: Well, I, I also think this was game five. The series was never in doubt, ever. It was going to be the Oilers' second consecutive Stanley Cup. Uh, and I just don't think Mike Keenan knew how to lose. He just did not want to go out gracefully, and he made sure that his, his players felt the same way. And it was, in, in many ways that year, it was kind of sad that it occurred. Uh, but again, I've never forgotten Barry Fraser waving his hand at Mike Keenan as Keenan extends his hand to shake after the cup has been uh, won by Edmonton, and Barry refused to shake his hands. You watch any of this World Cup stuff? Yeah, I've watched a bit of it. I I must admit, I I did watch. Uh, I haven't watched anything today, although I do know uh, Croatia beat uh, uh, Japan, and uh, and you've obviously I, I can stop the PVR now because you've ruined it for me. Oh uh, yeah! Spoiler uh, alert. Nice going! Nice going! I'm there uh, for you, John. Uh, but, but I did uh, I, I did watch the Americans on Saturday. So.
0: Hey, uh, John, the only thing sure that I'm going to, uh, you know, wreck people's days that are, uh, you know, PVR and games with spoilers alert is that I won't be on your podcast. So that's right up there with a, a 50-50 puck for you.
1: And, and, and you know what? I, I can't disagree with
0: you. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, and it's all good. It's <laughs> it's, it's, inc- it's incredible how that's worked out. Uh, hey, uh, what did you think of the game Saturday night between the Oilers and the Canadians?
1: it was it was okay i mean it it was i mean i you you i'm still waiting i'm still waiting for the oilers spark to ignite completely you know it's almost like a a, you know a gas stove that you know you hear the click 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 and every once in a while it lights and you see it and you saw it with the 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 two goals in the third period uh or sorry the, the late nurse goal and then connor's goal um, but, you, you know, the Oilers are a better team. They should have won. And, uh, and, the, and the right guys tur- turned the, uh, turn the emotion on. So I, I, they're not anywhere near where I expect them to be from the, the point of view of flow. But when you have as many injuries as they have, then you have to expect that.
0: John, I'm just going to step out here for a, a quick call uh, but I, I just want to get a thought in terms of uh, you know loading up McDavid and dry settle. We know that I think Leon still isn't all the way back uh, from that injury last year but both guys are on five game point streaks. Brendan's going to take the interview over after your response for a couple minutes uh, but uh, w- how have you thought it's worked
1: so far? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, one of the things that always concerns me is that and I—we've joked about this on the show for many times. No matter who was the coach of the team, was that you know Connor and Leon are like a drug, and and and, and so when you when you get desperate, you go to the drug and you, you you plug them in. The one thing Jay had not been doing on a regular basis was applying both of them into this scenario, uh, and I, I think it I think it benefited both guys to a certain point obviously other than the power play. But what I would say, Brendan, um, is that uh, the way the team has played with the injuries, it necessitated it. The challenge will be when everybody comes back and gets healthy, will Jay still be reliant on the drug of McDavid Dreisaitl to get them through the regular season and into the playoffs? Or will he afford himself the... Task of separating them again so that they can drive each of their lines. I think they're more effective long term on their own lines, but I understand why it's happened right now.
2: Uh, agreed. And they were able to, again, when you see five goals up on the board and each of those guys has four points on the night, I mean, that's that's a success having them together. That's how you were going to win the game that night. And ultimately, they were able to do that. And that means not surrendering five goals as well. Now, let me ask right. you this, John. This is the first look, in theory, we get with uh, Kyler Yamamoto back in the lineup. So perhaps we do see tonight a little bit of uh, of what you're talking about there. Now they have the option, if they want Want to break those two guys up and Hyman's able to play as well. We'll take that for granted just for the sake of the conversation. But what do you think Yamamoto's reinsertion into this lineup is going to mean tonight or whenever that happens?
1: Well are we seeing uh, Yamamoto of early this season or late last season or when he first got the uh, top six minutes you know and I think that's that's the real challenge I, you can bet that he's chomping at the bit and you know that with you know he when he plays with such edge he's can be very effective despite his size. So uh, you know, I I think we're probably going to see a lot of, a lot of whirling dervish tonight from Yamamoto to be part of it again, which would be a a, a real positive. You know, let's face it. And and you know, I'm never by the way, Brendan. I'm never sure whether Hyman plays the left or right side. He just plays forward. You know, he doesn't it doesn't really <laughs> yeah, matter honestly. which side he plays on. He's a forward. But if you take Hyman out of the equation, the right side's been really disappointing. And Yamamoto can fill a huge void if he can be a difference maker on either the first or second line uh, on the right side, if he can be that that guy that was almost a point a game guy when he first came back from, uh, f- from Bakersfield and took over the second half of that season before the pandemic.
2: Yeah, it's almost hard to believe we're chatting with our NHL insider, John Shannon, here for Legacy Heating and Cooling. It's hard to believe what... The, what kind of chemistry those guys had in that stretch because they really haven't been able to. And even if you just want to look at Drysaitl and Yamamoto, I mean they haven't quite been able to duplicate that since. And and maybe teams have keyed in on something there. Maybe it was a bit of beginner's luck, I suppose, for Yamamoto. But if they can activate some kind of scoring in him, and then you get that tenacity that comes with it, I think you know he could be a piece of this team moving forward. That's super valuable, especially when
1: you think about the penalty kill. Well, but but let's let's you're talking about Yamamoto making a difference. If you recall the history of the events around there, they had a terrible game just after Christmas against Calgary, got destroyed. There was a couple of meetings inside the organization, at which point McDavid was told you're not playing with Drysaitel for the next little while, and Drysaitel was told the same. And in many ways, I think it was a real maturation for Drysaitel. Uh, I I think once it was told to him, stop thinking that you're a failure if you don't play with McDavid. Stop it. Drive your own line. Be better at it. I think that that really changed a lot for Dreisaitl and opened his eyes. And I think that's an important part of of what happened at that very point when Yamamoto and Dreisaitl became a a bit of a partnership uh, in that second half of the season. To me, that was really important for dry saddle almost more important for dry saddle than it was yamamoto
0: john you're stuck with me again so i, I just had to make sure that i picked.
1: brendan up. asked such brendan's questions were so good
0: really well you know that's the thing when, when you're doing it when you're doing a show with john shannon you're gonna have to ask good questions because you're not always going to get the greatest response but uh with, uh, with, all, with, all, with all with all seriousness i want to switch focus we have Alexander Ovechkin in town. We all know the story where he's at right now. Third all time in NHL goals. He's tracking to being the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game. Um, you know, you you watched. Uh, you, I mean, you're not to age you, but you saw Gordie Howe play. Uh, and, yeah, I did. And 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 then of course you you, you know you got to work the games when Wayne was in his prime. Mm-hmm. Is he? You know, and Wayne was a player that, towards the back half of his career, basically—I mean, early in his career, I think he shot the puck more. In the back half of his career, he became more of a playmaker. or you know tonight when the fans come to Rogers Place, are they watching the greatest goal scorer that's ever played in the game?
1: Uh, I would say of the modern era, yes. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I never saw Rocket Richard play. Um, and so much of what we dealt with, even when I was a young guy, Bob was based on Rocket Richard's markers. Yeah, you know the 50 goals and 50 games was Rocket Richard when he when he did it. That was, and that was the measure for any player. You know, it was the measure for Bobby Hull, 50 goals and 50 games. Um, so it, when you talk about p- purity of goal scores, pure goal scores. I think you have to put Ovechkin uh, in the modern in the modern era as the greatest goal scorer of all time. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I well. do. And, and 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 I mean, and, and that's giving him props for. Listen, we all know who's going to shoot the puck from that one spot on the ice, and and it still goes in. That's the amazing thing. He shoots it so well. He shoots it with accuracy. He shoots it that hard, and sometimes, as you saw, you know, in the Vancouver game, he actually shot it right through Spencer Martin. <laughs>
0: Well, what's interesting, you know, to me was just the whole, uh, you know, you take a look at the power play numbers right now for the Washington Capitals, and they're they're 22nd in the league at 20.7%. Take the game out against Edmonton, and they're only at 17% on the power play, but they haven't had John Carlson all year, and they also have not had T.J. Oshie all year. That power play is about to get better with those two guys back.
1: Well, and there's, they're still missing Nick Spackstrom, and they're still missing Tom Wilson. So this is a team. This is a team in so many ways. Up until now, has been really working on fumes, uh, and and we've all pointed at teams in the Eastern Conference, particular that you say, well, you know, this team's going to be in trouble. This team is going to be on the downturn. If there's a team that's going to miss the playoff, which one is it? Well, it you know, we all thought it was going to be Boston and Washington, and the reality is now it's going. You know, the the challenge is going to be for Washington at a certain point but you know you know Darcy Kemper who's now hurt has was not really the, has not really done a good job in goal for them so so much of this has been Alex Ovechkin he has this might be in many ways one of his even though the numbers don't reflect it one of his most important seasons because this team has been on his back and he has carried them through some difficult times uh, and and y- you actually wonder if they will ever be healthy enough to get back into a playoff position. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, but, you know, but let's face it. And-, and Oshie being back, Carlson being back, you're right. They're going to they're help, but they're still not out of the woodwork. Oh, no question
0: about it. John, uh, thank you uh, for joining us here in Oilers now and for allowing not one but two of us uh, to, uh, to send some questions your way. We look forward to your appearance on Thursday.
1: It is always a pleasure to be with Brendan. I, I, it's
0: remarkable how many times I've heard that over the course of the last three or four years. Thanks a lot, John.
2: <laughs> Thanks, <Cheers>. John. <laughs>
0: there you go, Brendan. He's uh, signing your paycheck for you. That's all you can ask. Uh, it. <laughs> I think maybe he could talk to somebody about Oilers Plus, but that's another story at another time. It is 12:50 in Edmonton. We'll take a quick dive out. You're listening to Oilers now. Al May coming up today at 1:05. Uh, We're going to go to the Ashley Pine Flores text line, and Brad has texted the show, Bob. Would the Oilers consider going after Josh Brown or Patrick Nemeth from Arizona or Jacob Benya to bring their size to their third pairing? Uh, they're excellent shutdown guys and uh, good penalty killers. They'd be a lot cheaper than Joel Edmondson in salary and acquisition costs, and they're just as good at stopping goals from Brad. <laughs> the Edmondson thing, I think, peaked up because of a Ryan Rashog podcast with Arpon Basu. Uh, we'll see. I I don't see um, boy we got another Jacob Menya reference here six six two twenty Derek Grant from the Ducks I, you know uh, G has Texas what do you think or know about Sharks defenseman Jacob 6'6", six six two twenty or Derek Grant center from the Ducks six three two ten well Derek Grant's represented by Jerry Johansson and all that went about 50 games without scoring he's not overly tough but he's uh, you know, bottom six guy. Neither would break, uh, break the bank, but both would add a little bit of size, PK, shutdown center, and faceoff that could, uh, or a center that could potentially win some faceoffs. We don't have to overpay, uh, overplay Connor and Leon at the end of games, protecting the lead or while killing a penalty. All right, so to me here, it's as simple as this, okay? The owners have to weather the storm at forward with the injuries. So that's the first thing that's going to happen. Uh, actually, let's work in terms of importance of position. Jack Campbell has to get back on form. He's not been on form all year. It's played a part in undermining the Oilers. It's part of the reason why the team's comes into this game with a record of 14-11, because there hasn't been enough stops. I think Skinner's done an admirable job, uh, given where he's at in his career. Going to be really intrigued to see where he's at 25 or 26. So that's the goaltending situation. It starts there for uh, Campbell. They need more stops when he's in there. It gives them a better chance to win maybe a Knights when they don't have it. Defensively, make no mistake, they're going to give Broberg some minutes here. And unless he craters, um, they're going to see where that goes. Does it mean that the deadline they don't add another D? No, it does not mean that at all. It just means in the short term they're going to play some more minutes uh, for Philip Broberg. Uh, and then up front, uh, you know... We'll... Realistically speaking, Yamamoto back tonight. Fogle maybe within a week, the next week to ten days. McLeod might be a little bit longer. Could be, could you know, if it's a uh, high ankle type situation with him, it, it's a lower body injury. We know that he could be anywhere from you know three to uh, five more weeks, and then Evander Kane's hopefully sometime between maybe February seventh and March the first. Beyond that, in my opinion, the Oilers still need to add two more forwards. They need to add a, a right shot guy that can kill penalties and take some face-offs. I've given you the name, Sam Lafferty. And then I think they need to add a, a, a you know a, a more physical guy up front, which is why I've mentioned Zach McEwen. These are not you know first-round draft choice acquisitions, in my opinion. So doesn't mean that I'm right, but that's where I'm coming from at this time. At this time, we go into NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing. Uh, Elite Promotional Marketing, your local branded merchandising
2: specialist. Head to ElitePromoMarketing.com. Here's Brendan Escott other games in the league tonight. Calgary is hosting Arizona and an all-Canadian matchup between Vancouver and Montreal out west. The Oilers are welcoming Washington, as we know, to Rogers Place. 6.30 puck drop, but tune in to the face-off show at 5 o'clock and listen for the Metallica montage to win your way in to that two-night show at Commonwealth, August 2024. You're going to both nights if you win. Uh, Connor McDavid is the first star of the week in the NHL. 11 points. We'll get that done. He had four consecutive multi-point games, five goals, six assists in the week. Blue Jackets forward Jacob Voracek out indefinitely with concussion symptoms. In fact, is not really expected to return at all this season. Bakersfield sliding a bit here, losing again over the weekend, 5-2 to Ontario. Head coach Colin Chalk with more on that at 1:35 today. Oil Kings lost 8-2 to Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats at Rogers Place. Uh, Medicine Hat comes to town on Wednesday and the Golden Bears, as you mentioned, Bob, They knocked off McEwen 4-1, and then 11-2. They are now on the Christmas break, sitting three points back of Calgary for tops in the Canada West. Their next action is against uh, the team from the Ukraine, actually, in that uh, Welcome to Western Canada series. There you go. If
0: you're looking for a perfect holiday gift, you can join Oilers now in Vegas in January to see Edmonton play their Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights. This new West travel hockey package includes airfare, three nights at the five-star Cogs, cosmopolitan hotel on the strip great game tickets and a welcome reception with yours truly for the orders now hockey vegas package reach out to new west travel at newwesttravel.com we are going to head off to a global news weather traffic update with evan cook and when we return at orders now longtime washington capitals analyst and former caps player edmonton area product alan may when we return on orders now